BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off-limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. Good morning, millennials. Welcome back to The Morning Toast. Welcome, welcome to... Welcome, yes! Welcome, welcome to, to The Le- Morning Toast. You are on another level in terms of your pitch. Yeah, because I'm on Welcome pitch. to The Morning Toast. Welcome, 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 welcome to The Morning Toast. Happy hump day! Everyone doesn't quite feel like a hump day because Theo was super busy this morning and wasn't able to make it to the studio. So if you're watching live on YouTube, I genuinely apologize, not only for Theo's absence, but B, for a couple audio issues we've had this week. We're still working it out. Hopefully it is fixed today. Do let us know if it isn't fixed. I know you will anyway. Yeah. Um, I hi. Miss, I miss Tichio. It's a beautiful day in New York City, so I'm so glad he's out there. You know what? You know, as long like as he's out there, somewhere where he can roam. Um... I feel like we should acknowledge, you know, this specific time of year. It's such a special time of year where it's definitely between summer and winter. I know that they consider that fall, but it just happens so fast. And fall is either like really cold or like you're still getting chub rub from the summer. And this week has just been an absolute delight. It's been sublime. Really has been. Today's like going to be the warmer of the days of the week. And so I'm burying my legs once again. I know you guys missed them so much. That's a crazy thing to do at the height of fall. Yes. It's also a crazy thing to do to wear this romper on this show because it's really short. Yes, it is. And I was hoping for a Theo-covered thigh today, uh, but I didn't get that, so I'm here, out here in all my bravery. Say hello to my little thigh. See, Not so little. Theo is definitely, like, um, an emotional support, but he's also a physical support. Mm-hmm. Covers thighs, legs, arms. He does, but I'm just going to... Brave it. I'm going to own my choice. No, you're going to brave it bravely. Yeah. In an extremely brave way. Um, so today's a fabulous episode because it's Wednesday, which means you're automatically just going to get an amazing episode because we do Dear Toasters on Wednesday, which is our advice segment, so we'll do that at the end of the show. But normally, we would, we would not have any TV. shouting. Am I? <laughs> normally, we wouldn't have any TV to recap on Wednesdays, but Jackie and I both spent the greater part of yesterday day. The whole day. The whole day. 
catching up on Selling Sunset, which is something we have been wanting to do. Something we said we were going to do, and I just decided to take the plunge. I actually tried to start watching the other day, but my Netflix was like not working and it wouldn't play for me. So I was like, oh, maybe this isn't my not journey. But I gave it another shot yesterday, and it played. And we have so many thoughts. Claudia and I were watching like all day at the same time, just like texting each other our thoughts. Honestly, on these we should publish our text messages. They're so funny. But, like some of them are, <laughs> are a little mean. Are not publishable. Um, to be honest. I feel like you and I are not in the majority. And I used to think that I had the most like universal thoughts on reality TV. But over the last few seasons of like Housewives and just different things we've recapped, I have found that like we do not have the popular opinion. I and just, I certainly do not have the popular opinion on Selling Sunset. So if you're like a Chrishell stan, you might want to turn this off. You We're up to season two, episode five. So if something big happened in season three, we don't know about it yet. We're, we've really avoided spoilers. Um... But as to where we are now, like, I absolutely stand ride or die. Like, we'll never go against. Never waver. Christine Quinn. And I know that's unpopular. Is it? I don't care. I don't want to hear it. Like, usually I know I'm in, I, I read what everyone else has to say. I see that they're valid, but I, but I have some sort of feeling in my heart and I just can't explain it. I understand. This is not that. No. I can explain it. 100%. I don't know how anyone could see anything else. This woman is... Everything of the sort. Mm-hmm. Um, I have so I like want to save all of my thoughts. Yes, we will so get to it. We'll get to it after the fast five. But I have so many thoughts. But that's really where our thoughts are going to take us, which is that Christine Quinn like deserves everything. She deserves, and you know what? It appears as if she might be getting everything. No, that she has everything because I went stalking her Instagram, and it's just full of everything. It's full of actually premium content. So in our TV recap segment, we will be recapping what we have gotten up to. And I feel as if by tomorrow at the same rate, we will probably be done with Selling Sunset. Yes. So if you're looking for the full recap, that'll be tomorrow. But first I, impressions. First impressions. I actually think I have sort of a busy day today, but maybe I could squeeze the rest of okay. it in. But we'll figure it out. We'll be done by the end of the week. Yeah. I love now being like included in people's conversations because I've seen so much content, especially on TikTok with just like different selling sunset jokes, like Davina's $75 million thing. And like, I literally had no idea what they were talking about. So now I just love being included. Yeah. I like being included. Also the way that the show is filmed is just like excellent Mm -hmm. quality. The conversations, I think even season one, like either they're really good at their makeup or they got glam for every, uh, filming Mm -hmm. and it's just it's a pleasure to watch so we'll be recapping that and of course delivering the fast five so I guess without Theo here there's really like no time like the present to just get into it because you know we could always wax poetic about him but Mm -hmm. when he's not here to listen to the accolades what's the point what's the point if if Theo gets a compliment in the woods and no one's there to hear it did it ever really happen yes I agree But without further ado, it is time for the Fast Five Stories that you need to know before you wake up and take a bite out of your morning toast. Yep, and I have nothing to say. I'm feeling pretty good. My RDH has passed. That's good, but you want to keep an eye on it because you just never know when it could flare up again. 100%, and it's all good. Thank you for all the well wishes in my journey to the cure for RDH. It's really sweet. (laughs) Okay, first story. Big story of the day. Lauren Conrad went on Whitney Port's podcast, and they're just... (gasps) Going down memory lane, and she's revealing why she distanced herself from the Hills cast. Oh my god, I had no idea. I saw like a few headlines that were so clickbaity that I, I didn't even read the Lauren Conrad story. But I love that she went on Whitney Port's podcast. I feel like those are the two queens, in my opinion, and like I'm glad that they see each other. Yeah, 
While they met on the hit MTV series as interns at Teen Vogue nearly 15 years ago, Conrad has not remained close with her former castmates since no. she left the show in 2009 and did not appear in the series revival. And while they couldn't come physically together because of the pandemic, they did finally catch up virtually for Whitney's podcast, With Wit. Spoiler alert, they were quite honest with each other. Okay. As Port told Conrad, quote, I would say the question that I get asked the most most of the time is, are you still friends with Lauren? That's what people really want to know. That's how people really got to know us, was together in the Teen Vogue closet, and people always want to know the behind the scenes and, like, if mm-hmm. there was any drama. Right. Her answer proved, no matter their distance, that Port will always have Lauren's back. Oh, wow. Quote, my answer to them is always, you know, it's friends that you went to college with, good friends that you had really special experiences with, that you always have love for, but that you don't always keep in touch with. Right. Conrad agreed. Quote, I think, like, what you said is perfectly describing it. I have so much love in my heart for you, and, like, we shared this really weird unique thing Mm -hmm. and I think it is it's like old college friends you know I'll always remember you like that and I'll never have that with anybody else yeah I feel like Lauren has kind of been really ambiguous like and super distant from the Hills girls and the Hills franchise and I do think that I actually believe that this is the case for her and Whitney like I don't think that they're best friends like calling each other every day but they don't have bad things to say about each other and it's just you do you grow apart like you forget like these kids were like 21 years old but I don't think that's the case with Lauren and all of the castmates no. and I definitely think there are a lot of people that she intentionally is not keeping and in touch she with. she has bad blood with but the way that Lauren and Whitney describe their friendship now or their relationship now like I feel that way about certain people too it's like I never talk to you I never see you but when I do it's such a pleasure and like we can go down memory lane yeah and have a good time I feel like the way the relationship they're describing is like a very common adult relationship when it's like you're phasing out of college into the real world and as years go by and time passes on you realize you like these people technically like you haven't seen them in forever like they're not really like your friends but you'll always love them and appreciate the time you spent together yes and I feel like that's a very mature thing to do a very mature thing to do speaking of Lauren Conrad on that episode of Selling Sunset where the WAG co-owner um wanted to get a house for herself and she sent like a part a member oh, of her yeah. team and they said that she looked like Lauren Conrad okay she looked like Hillary Duff Me, that's what I thought too when the woman showed up I'm like is this a surprise Hillary Duff is a no, co-founder of WAG I thought the same thing and then they were like you look so much like I'm like okay finally they're gonna address it yeah Lauren Conrad no and the girl was like yeah I get that all the time I'm like you do you literally look nothing like her sometimes I feel like the way people look on tv like even though they're not doing anything different Mm -hmm. just like the way they look on tv is just not what they look like if you were to meet them in real life I also think like as a society you know as a society we are progressing past certain things like it's really not appropriate to ask people you know when they're getting pregnant like there are things we're evolving past and I think we need as a society to evolve past telling people who they look like because it never comes off flattering. Unless you're literally telling me, like, you look like Giselle, Claudia. Like, oh, my God, is that Heidi Klum? I'm insulted. I don't care. Like, I have a certain image of myself in my head. And it might not be what the world sees, but it's what I see. And when somebody disrupts what I see with, like, oh, you look like this. Or showing me a picture, like, of his Instagram. I get it all the time in my DMs. Like, of a random girl be like, I thought this was you. And, like, I take it as an insult. I do, because that's not what I think I look like. I think as a society, we have to evolve past that. We no longer can tell people who they look like. I think you might be alone in that. I, I don't. I, I under, don't think so. I understand. No, I mean, on, on the sh- between the two of us. Oh, between like, the two of not us. Not in the world. I think people do agree with you. Um, I think that, yes, sometimes it can be so insulting. Like, I get... I get really some, like, tragic stuff. And it's not that the person that they're comparing to you to is, like, ugly. It's just, like, you have a certain image of yourself that you protect in your mind. Yes, but then other times I look at other people, and I'm actually really good at um, 
re realizing who people remind me of, like who, not even who they, it might be who they look like, but it's also just their mannerisms. Mm -hmm. And that was something I was going to say about Selling Sunset. They all look like, like Different remind people. me of other people, like mixtures of other people. And if I reminded someone so closely of someone else in the way that I see comparisons, I would want to know. Like I, so then I could look at them and be like, oh, I guess that's what I'm like. Okay, but for the most part, people compare you to other people based on physical looks, not always on, on mannerisms. No, Maybe one out of 10 times, but um, it's mostly on looks. Yeah, I guess maybe but also sometimes they'll send me people who are like blonde who I don't think look like me but like there's something about their smile that like reminds me of them and I just find it interesting and I, I don't take them all and and judge myself based on what well I don't every, find them every comparison I get in the DM and if you're listening to this maybe just don't ever tell me who you think I look like I think that's a good a good rule like Claudia doesn't enjoy it no but I, think I, I don't want to say that I do because then I'll get so many I just got one the other day and like I really didn't fucking the see ballerina it. yeah I saw it too did you see the compare. Did you see that I look like her? No, she just had red hair and pale skin. Right. Like, you could be Renezme. You know, like you could be anyone. Right. I don't. I don't fuck with that. Just because I'm like, I, I don't want to. Don't tell me I look like another redhead. But like, if I really have like similar. Well, like with Madeline Petch, like you guys actually look physically alike, not just beyond the red hair. Yeah, but it's like when Sarah Foster watches Selling Sunset. Does she see her face on Christine Quinn? Because that's all I see. What? Christine Quinn is Sarah Foster's face. Christine Quinn is Christina Aguilera and Erica Jane. A hundred percent. To me, Christine Quinn is Sarah Foster and Jeffree Star with a sprinkle of Erica Jane. Oh my God. I totally do not see Sarah Foster whatsoever oh God, in Christine Quinn. All I see. Has anyone else ever made that comparison? I don't think so. I mean, now let's go through our comparisons because Maya is literally the Israeli Sutton Foster with a little bit of Giselle. And Gwyneth Paltrow, brunette Gwyneth Paltrow. But Sutton Foster is like 80, she's 80% Sutton Foster, to me 20% Gwyneth Paltrow. Also, she's 100% my friend Daniela Orlemans. Like if anyone knows her, it's fucking crazy. Like she's also Dutch, so she speaks with an accent and like they carry themselves the same way and they're so tall. It freaks me out. They're so similar. Um, Heather is, is Christina Almusa. <laughs> and um, Davina is like Pam from The Office. Like she's like... So basic. She's like I don't have anyone for her. She's the only one who doesn't really not remind Pam me of someone from the else. Office. Um, Kimmy Schmidt. Oh, I guess. But when she had brown hair, Ellie Kemper in the office, she had brown hair. Okay. That's who Davina is. Okay, I feel that. And Chriselle, you said she's Andy Dorfman. Oh my God. One uh, unequivocally Andy Dorfman. I think she's Andy Dorfman plus Jojo Fletcher. And all oh, of them yeah. on the show are a mixture of two people. Yeah. Also, Amanda, I haven't figured out who she no, is yet, but, but it's bothering no, me it's so much. I, I'm going to get to it. It took me a whole season to figure out who season one people looked like, I'm going to figure out who Amanda reminds me of. And, and it's going to rock your world. And I need to, like, to me, these comparisons are on point. Christine Quinn is Sarah Foster. Like, even the way what? she just, like, looks I, at you. Not like, at oh my God, all. Her, every, her face, like, if you just, like, took her face off and put it next to Sarah Foster's, they're twins. To me, like... I think Christine Quinn, like, might be, a like a child of David Foster. Oh my God, Jackie, there's That's no fucking way. I will die on this hill. They look and nothing alike. And if you don't see it, you're not looking right. Nothing alike. No, oh my God, Claudia. How can you say that? Nothing. How can you say that? Are you back to this Lauren Conrad story? Oh, back to Lauren Conrad. She doesn't look like the girl from Selling Sunset. Oh, yeah, that's what it was. Wag. But I'm happy that her and Whitney are still friends. I feel like of all the friendships, like that was the most mature. You know, Whitney was like so... She was, like, kind of better than she everyone else. She was so above it all. Yeah, she was, like, Lauren's work friend, but she was really, like, this genius. Like, I feel like everyone really respected her. Yeah, for sure. 
And it's it's still really surprising that she went on like the reboot. I think she's above it. But she stays above it on the reboot. So like she was barely on it. Yeah, but like she just like did her crest white strips integration. Yeah. She has a really cute family. And she does have a cute she family. doesn't get down in the mud. And so uh, if she can do that, good for her. But a lot of people can't can't play that role because then they'll get axed. I honestly am just shocked that Lauren um, Conrad like even publicly associated with someone from the hills. I feel like she's just like literally since it's been over has acted like it never happened and she's had so much success so she doesn't like need to go back and like do reboots and podcasts about the hills. I just can't believe like she actually publicly put her name somewhere like with someone from the hills. Yeah. I just feel like she couldn't have been more distant from it. Yeah but I appreciate it you know. Me too. Okay, next story. Haters be damned. Ellen sees the highest premiere rating since 2016. Of course. I mean, who wouldn't want to tune into this shit show? Um, yeah, She's more sh- interesting than ever. I know. But, you know, some people who don't want to watch her anymore, like, might make that known. But the show posted an overnight Nielsen household rating of 1.9, steady with the overall ratings for the fall 2019 premiere, but it ranked number one in a lucrative ad demo, adults aged 25 to 54, with a 0.9 rating and an increase from last year's 0.8. Okay. I have to be honest, like, I legit don't understand ratings for the life of me. No, me me neither. Anytime I go and, like, seek out ratings, like, I'm curious, like, are people watching more Bravo or more E? Like, I just try and, like, find the information. Yeah, like, is this show doing, I always want to know what the ratings of something are, and I feel like unless there's, like, an article telling me, I can't make sense of it. Right. Also, um, not only is it nonsensical, it's also nearly impossible to find the data when it's, like, should be public It is public information, but it's, right, nearly impossible. So when Nielsen has a rating of 1.9. Million. Does that mean 1.9 million people watch it? Because, could you just tell me how much people watch it? I think so. And if it was like 0.9, that would be 900,000. And then it was like 0.09, it would be like 90,000. Yeah. So I just, I just want to know how many people watch things. There needs to be like a website or an Instagram account. Yes, please. Puts this together because I think that. I want to know. No, I definitely want to know. And especially it's just so interesting with like cable really kind of being on the decline and so many digital shows like having such strong numbers. Like are there digital shows that actually do better than TV shows? You know, like that's what I want to know. And digital numbers are so clear and so public and you can just see it when anyone's watching on YouTube. Like the numbers are just right there. And I feel like almost intentionally cable data numbers are so like misleading and confusing. Yeah, I feel that as well. So Uh, Mr. Nielsen... Podcast numbers are so private. What's the word? Opaque. Yeah, that's really true. It kind of reminds me of Tumblr, where like literally nobody knew how many followers you had. So like you could have the biggest Tumblr in the world and like literally nobody would, knew, would know what's the point. Um, and podcasts are the same way. It's like, yes, yeah, so you could see like if someone's on the charts, like they obviously have a lot of numbers, but like people are on the charts who literally have 5,000 listens and have 5 million listens. It's all about, it's like, it's a formula. Yeah, Kelty would. Kelsey was telling us about it, but it's safe to say, like, we know what the biggest podcasts in the world are, as opposed to Tumblr, where you don't know. Of course, but I just feel like every influencer has a podcast, and they make it seem like it's the biggest podcast in the world, and I would do, I mean, I do do the same, because, like, that's what building a brand and building a business online is, but I would love to see some numbers, like, how many people actually listen to all these podcasts? Like, I know how many people listen to mine, I know. and I know how many people listen to all the TNN shows, but I, it, like, honestly, it kills me. I'm so curious. No, it's. It's so curiosity-inducing. Right. Like, there are actually, like, five people who have podcasts. Like, I just want to know that these five. You know, I'm not going to say who they are, obviously. But, like, there's five. Are you like, our competitors? No, 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 no. Like, just random people that I follow on the internet um, who just, like, have podcasts and, like, make it seem like it's, like, Oh, the, oh, he, you oh, know I, I'm talking I do, about. Now I know what you're talking so, about. So, like, I don't even want to know all the podcasts in the world numbers. Like, I just want to know, like, these five people, like, who I just, like, 
want to know. I wish like so badly I could just Say start it. guessing. Oh, no, 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 no. You can't. You can't. <laughs> but you know who it is. Yeah, I know one. Okay. Next up, Teddy Mellencamp confirms Real Housewives of Beverly Hills exit. Okay, what the title should be, Teddy, Teddy Mellencamp confirms Real Housewives of Beverly Hills exit in bizarrely passive-aggressive strange video. <laughs> bizarrely passive-aggressive sad yeah. video. Like, at first I was like cringe and then I was like my heart softened well so I actually felt a bunch of different ways about the video the first was obviously like it was just like really strong <laughs> like it was just kind of bizarre um but two I actually had a lot of respect for her for actually admitting she was let go slash not renewed because I feel like a lot of housewives in their time have been not renewed and they always go on social media being like this journey so I had respect for that but I, it, I was blinded by the don't want to bore you <laughs> <laughs> I I appreciate and respect her attempt at like being sassy. Yeah. I just think it did it fell a little short. Yeah. No, it was like I feel like that video sums up her journey on the show. It right. was like came coming off really strong like, right out of the gate and then she talks about how like she loved her experience and she did the coolest things and she's going to really miss the cast and crew and and then I was like, "Oh, now I feel sad." Yeah, cuz to be honest, like no matter how Teddy Mellencamp without Housewives like has a fabulous life like she's John Mellencamp's daughter she has a wonderful marriage and a wonderful wonderful family. family they have a ton of money she's really successful he's really successful so it's it's not that her life you know is gonna severely deteriorate without the show but the show no matter how rich and famous you are or how many celebrities you're connected to it is an amazing experience like these trips that they take on Beverly Hills like are beyond trips that most of the women take like it really is like a special experience and a really good opportunity so at towards the end of the video I did feel like she's gonna she wasn't ready to go and she's like gonna be missing out on you know all the fun and all the stuff um coming up I just can't recall it there's I don't really feel like there's another housewife departure I can compare this to where it was like leaked basically confirmed before the housewife or Bravo got to even mention anything yeah I don't know someone in production like had it out for Teddy because the page six and Daily Mail articles were so oddly specific and really mean yeah and now that I think about it I actually I don't really think it's fair not that it's saying she didn't like that she didn't deserve to, to go. be fired, yeah. But I don't think it's fair to fire someone after a season where they're pregnant because she she can That's only do so much. Yeah. You know, like I think I think back to like when Monique was pregnant um, yeah. on Potomac and like she kind of she played an interesting role because instead of getting involved in the drama, she really became the voice of reason. Mm-hmm. So like she had cemented her place place in that way. But I don't know. There was only so much Teddy could have done. On like one, she obviously can't drink, so she mm-hmm. can't just like you know, see what happens, like drink and see what happens, which I think some housewives do just to start drama. Two, like you can't let your blood pressure, your stress levels spike that much. So she really had to stay neutral and boring. That's actually a really, really like interesting observation. My only rebuttal is that I know people said, like these Daily Mail articles said that she was fired for being boring. And I, in the past, maybe have found some of her content boring, but I didn't think at all actually this season she was boring. I think she was mean and she's not really friends with anyone but Kyle. And neither of those things have to do with her being pregnant. So I feel like she was fired more so for those reasons. Like she's really not a part of the group. Like, yeah, no, and I'm not saying she, like, that she shouldn't be fired because she was pregnant. I'm just saying, like, it sets a bad tone. You automatically are going to have a low, like, a, 
not a low season, but a quieter, like a quieter, calmer season. It's not going to be a big season for you if you're pregnant because you have a lot going on and there's a million different reasons why you shouldn't be participating in certain things. Um, So she didn't really get a chance to bounce back, but maybe it was like last season, this season was her chance. You know, right. This might have been her redemption season. You never know what kind of conversations go on. No, but but that's interesting. It does set like a weird tone and like not a good one. Yeah. Anyways, she'll be missed, you know. I wonder who'll, who will replace her. I mean, I feel like now they're, they're down to with Sutton and Teddy. I mean, with Denise and Teddy, I feel like Sutton will be a full-time housewife, and then they're only down one. I don't really think they need anyone else. I hope Garcelle stays, even though she's now so busy hosting The Real. But I actually think she will stay. Me too. And then they're only down one, and I think that that's fine. Yeah. I would like to see them bring someone else in, maybe even like, a former housewife, someone who doesn't need like a full reintroduction to the group. Honestly, someone like kind of like Kathy Hilton, who we like we kind of know through so much about her, like from Kyle and Kim and obviously her famous kids. So I actually think it might be a good season for Kathy Hilton. She was actually weirdly in my dream last night, Kathy Hilton. Oh, wow. Then like before bed was like, Kathy Hilton's joining housewives. Oh, my God. And I'm like, you know who Kathy Hilton is? That's so like, funny. Yeah. Um, okay, well, next story. Rolling Stone has released their 500 best albums of all time list. This is a list that they've had, and now they've re-released it to include newer albums. Oh, that's so interesting. Um, some albums that have now made the list that weren't on it before include Taylor Swift's Red. Oh, my God. How was that not on it before? And Adele's 21, because it, it came out before that album came out. Oh, when did this original list come out? I think it's something that they've always... Had it debuted in 2003. So oh. they do have to update it sometimes, and they've just updated. So I'm going to go through the top albums. A lot of them are not new albums. Okay. Um, but I also just want to say, like, put it out there. I really, really appreciate how much Rolling Stone respects Taylor Swift. Like, they yeah, are, how much they respect Red. <laughs> yeah, no, but they are always putting her on these lists. And I think a lot of, like, music like snobs would be like Taylor Swift but Rolling Stone really leans into it and they appreciate like the true talent and the artistry and the songwriting and the music making and I just wanted to put it out there that as a Swifty I really appreciate Rolling Stone like being cool yeah and I think this list is interesting if you're ever looking to get into a good album like I've you know I'm actually now having deja vu from the old studio where we spoke about this yeah I think it's an interesting list so the number one greatest album of all time according to a Rolling Stone is Marvin Gaye what's going on okay Number two, The Beach Boys, Pet Sounds. Boring. Number three, Joni Mitchell, Blue. Number four, Stevie Wonder, Songs in the Key of Life. I couldn't agree more, actually. We actually went to the Songs in the Key of Life tour at Madison Square Garden, like when we were in high school, and it was phenomenal. It was phenomenal. Number five, The Beatles, Abbey Road. Sure. Number six, Nirvana, Nevermind, with the little baby and the dollar on the cover. Number seven, Fleetwood Mac, Rumors. Sunder only happened when it's raining. Number eight, Prince and the Revolution. Purple rain, purple rain. That was so good. Thank you. Oh my God, I'm like shook. Thank you. I'm flustered. Number nine, Bob Dylan, Blood on the Tracks. Okay. Number 10, Lauren Hill, The Miseducation of Lauren Hill. You know, speaking of Lauren Hill, I need to watch this act. Like, I've just been, I have been having an itch for it recently. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, this weekend is my time. It's a content upper, for sure. It is such... And honestly, the first is just as good as the second. Yeah. And there's very few, like, sequels like that. Number 11, The Beatles, Revolver. 12, Michael Jackson, Thriller. 13, Aretha Franklin, I Never Loved a Man the Way I Love You. 14, The Rolling Stones, Exile on Main Street. 
15, public enemy. It takes a nation of millions to hold us back. I've literally never heard of that. Number 16, The Clash, London Calling. Okay, like, tell me when, like, a, a contemporary album. Number 17, Kanye West, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Wow. Yeah. That's an honor. That is an honor. It's a great album. All right, go down the list in order now, just of contemporary albums. Okay, but it, they don't organize it that way, but I'll, I'll try and, like, skip over. Um, number 19, Kendrick Lamar, To Pimp a Butterfly. I, I agree. 20, Radiohead, Kid A. 21, Bruce Springsteen, Born to Run, not contemporary, but something you've heard of. Yeah. 22, Notorious B.I.G., Ready to Die. Um, next one that you might have heard of or that you enjoyed. Oh, 20, 32, Beyonce, Lemonade. Oh, I agree. 33, Amy Winehouse, Back to Black. I definitely agree. This must be a really hard list to put together. This you know? is a hard job. Because it's like, I haven't even listened to all the albums in the world, but like, out of my favorite albums, how would I... I, I couldn't even imagine. I feel like when an album comes out, Rolling Stone has like a database and they give it like a score based on different categories. And then when they put this together, it's just like who has the highest score. Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, that's just how I assume it. I don't know how people could do this any other way. 50, Jay-Z, The Blueprint. So where's Red? I mean, it's... 99. 99. 99. Okay, that's not bad. No, that's pretty good. Okay, good for her. Yeah, I just think it is interesting and 21 by Adele was added to the list as well yes I mean where's 25 what what was on 21 that's not water under the bridge rolling in the deep rolling in the deep we could have had it all man you were just on key today rolling in the deep okay you had my heart and soul in your hands Mm -hmm. and you played it Wow. To the beat. Okay. We'll just <laughs> for, we'll cut that part out. Okay. Fifth and final story leading us into our TV recap of Selling Sunset. It's been like just literally spilling out of me. But this is a story in its own right that will naturally segue into Selling Sunset recap. Christina Anstead and husband Ant. You're like, who are these people? Oh, no, I know who they are. Christina Christina Musa and her and husband. And her new husband, that's not Tarek, split after less than two years of marriage. I mean, Tarek and Christina just time after time have proved to be like the messiest celebrities alive. I mean, at first it was the whole saga in the mountains with the gun. And that was really scary. And that's really where like it wasn't funny anymore, you know? No. Then they got divorced. Then they both... Um, fell into new relationships. She moved on really quickly and not only found a new boyfriend really quickly, but got married really quickly. Yes. Now they're getting divorced. Heather is still with Tarek. It's just, it's honestly too much for me as a viewer. And I actually used to really like their show when they were married. I mean, I never thought they had a good marriage and you could tell that they totally hated each other. But (laughs) it was a good TV show because they used to flip houses like for really cheap and they had like literally the shittiest style. It was like interesting to watch. Um, But this is just like, I don't know. They have three kids together and I, I just... I don't know. It's it's really not a good situation. Yeah. They said, Aunt and I have made the dis- difficult decision to separate. Aunt? A-N-T. Aunt? Is it? It's Aunt, Aunt Sneeches. Okay. Aunt Sneeches and I have made the <laughs> difficult decision to separate. We are grateful for each other. And as always, our children will remain our priority. We appreciate your support. I'm getting choked up. <laughs> and as for privacy for us and our family as we navigate the future. This is like a... Real like it's stain so crazy on. how much Heather looks like Christina and how much Aunt Sneeches yes looks like Tarek. Tarek. Okay, so and let's, also Ari Leindyke. Yes, 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 yes. 
Um, let's dive into to Selling Sunset just with this Heather situation. So in the, I didn't know who Heather was. I didn't know that no. she ended up being Tarek's girlfriend. Me but in either. the first season, like she looked like someone so familiar. And then in the second season, when they showed that TMZ article that she was dating Tarek El Musa, like my jaw hit the floor. Like so many pieces were just like immediately put together in my brain. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, this is epic. Yeah. Uh, Claudia, I was a few episodes ahead of Claudia and I called her and I'm like, you need to make it to season two. Episode, episode one, one, first like, 10 minutes. First 10 minutes, call me. Yeah. And I'm so glad that it didn't disappoint because I was worried I was like, going to hype it up too much for you. I'm honestly going to go through our text messages and I just want to see what we spoke about. Okay. But um, while we're on the subject of Heather, like, I can't. Okay. Um, so the first thing I texted you was Chriselle was Andy Dorfman because I felt so strongly about that. Okay. Obviously, the Chriselle Hartley, Justin Hartley of it all was like a huge pull for her. Now we know he like dumped her via text message. Yeah. And I don't know in the third season if it was pre-divorce or post-divorce. I'm hoping it was post-divorce. because I think it was post-divorce. And I think that we know that he dumped her via text message because the timeline's starting a- adding up. I think she says that on season three. Got it. Got it. Got That's it. That's what I'm thinking. But I don't know. And I don't want to know. And, and if I'm wrong, we'll correct it tomorrow or the next day. Um, so... In terms of like the big, I would say, divide within the show and just the fans is like Chriselle versus Christine. Chriselle, yes, because there are two types of people in this world. I couldn't agree more. And I feel like in the beginning, Chriselle was like weenie and like everyone in the audience like was not really into her. And I think by the second season, a lot of feel like people feel like she got her voice back and like her power back. And I actually couldn't agree with that less. I know that some may see, Christi- see Christine as like a little bit of a bullvon, like very direct, um, kind of mean, a little bit bitchy. But I love someone who can own their bitchiness. And Christine is really not afraid to apologize, which I thought she actually might be. Yeah, like she's very direct and very can be mean mm-hmm. but the apology that she gave Chriselle season two episode one yep. at the 44 million dollar house was so genuine and like she really just fucking fell on her sword yep and that's not what I, I expected from her I thought she was just gonna try and like patch it up and I feel like the fact that Chriselle couldn't see that that was genuine or, or like she was just like holding on to this grudge because she felt like she had to yeah where it's like you know I actually thought season one the two of them had a really nice scene when they were at the bar yep. and they got drinks talking about high school talking about high school and they were both like had tears in their eyes and they and they hugged and I and I thought that that was like the bedrock for actually a good friendship even if they're not going to be the best of friends like just some mutual respect so when like things went so sideways and Chriselle was like Christy never liked me and never wanted to be my friend I'm like that's not really true. I agree 100%. And while Christine was definitely wrong at the pool party, she totally blew it out of proportion. I could see her just like really wanting to defend her friend, defend her friend Mary. And then also feeling like blindsided when she's out here defending her friend Mary and Mary gets up and hugs Chriselle. Like it makes now Christine look like an asshole. Yeah. And she also said like, I was drinking. I was intense. She tried to call Chriselle that night and mm-hmm. apologize. Like, okay, so she didn't handle herself so perfectly in the moment, but like, she tried to make it right. And Chriselle just like refuses, just like loves to be the victim. Yes, 100%. And so in terms of Chriselle, um, I'm not surprised like so many of the fans love her because I feel like she's super sweet and she's super cute. No, actually, that's not at all what I was going to say. I'm not surprised that so many people like her. She's just a very specific type of girl. And I feel like if I was in college and like she was in my sorority, like I would stay so far away from her. She gives me just like this weak vibe. Like she is, she's weak. Like, and, and honestly, in terms of her job, I feel like she's so unprofessional almost all the time. Like she's like giddy and like jumpy and like, be professional like you're in a room with business people and she's just like jumping around and like I don't know she everything about her gives me like an immature vibe when it comes to her work and when it comes to her friendships as well very interesting I don't know I feel like Chriselle like when she walked in the first day with like her dog treats and her big smile like I feel like she's a really nice sweet person um she definitely like 
plays the victim because I think that's where she feels comfortable. But aside from that, like, I think she's she's probably a really nice girl. And, and maybe in season two and a half and three, like, she does become stronger. Well, to be honest, in the first season, I actually agreed with what Christine and Davina were saying because she was acting one way in front of the girls. But, like, in her commentary, she was, like, really bitchy. And I'm like... Also... And honestly, it was, like, funny and I liked it. But, like, she was, in a lot of ways, two-faced. Like, she was, like, this innocent little kitty cat in the office. And then she would say, like, crazy, like, things in her commentary. It's not even, like, she's saying crazy things. What I've noticed about her is that whenever there's a group... Like, there's a group... She's always the one to like bring up, right. like let's talk about someone Mary else. Mary and Romaine. Yeah, Mary and Romaine when she was in, uh, when she like had a glass of wine with Mary in the office afterwards, like she brought up Christine. Like she's always, like she says that she's asking questions, but she's always asking like leading, goading Poster. questions. Wanting the other person to say oh. something bad. And that's exactly what she did with Davina when you look back on it. It's like she was asking these leading questions. Are they getting a prenup? Because she wants like someone else to and, say like, that's like, what Davina was shit. saying. She was like, "Yeah, you're asking questions, but you're asking them from like a negative place." Yeah, like, no, you're asking them with judgment. Yeah. Also, um, Chriselle completely lost me 100 percent when she ruined Maya's baby announcement. Like the fact that Maya didn't get mad at her. Ma- Maya's not like involved in the drama. I actually love Maya, but she's really stays above the fray. Um, the fact that she didn't get more mad at Chriselle, like I actually wanted to like shake Chriselle in that, that scene. Was like so crazy. So, unacceptable especially that's what I mean she's just that type of girl and I literally would never be friends with someone like that yeah because to be the person when you barely know this person to be the person in the room with the pregnancy test is is like such an honor and I felt like when I first saw that scene I was like wow Chriselle is just like this rock and she's a supportive friend and she's gonna be there for you she's gonna cheer you on and like or you know she might be there for a hug if it doesn't go the way that you want it to so I was was happy she was there for mine yeah and I was like she's a real like she's just probably a very good friend and like a very supportive person and the fact that like she wouldn't even think twice before she, like she knew, Maya told her on a few different occasions, like she's very cautious. And the fact that it just slipped out was like so crazy. Unacceptable in my opinion. She lost me for good. Um, And then in terms of Davina, I feel like after the third season, like now in real time, Davina's kind of become like this huge villain. At the present moment, I don't hate her that much. Honestly, when her and Chriselle were like really butting heads in the office talking about Burning Man, and then Davina was like, well, how much was your dress? Like that was everything. I'm not sure what like Chriselle was trying to say like about Burning Man. It did come off like really condescending. It like really- you went to a festival and we did charity. Like it was obnoxious. It's so obnoxious because again, I thought Chriselle in that moment was being like so open and, and she was sharing her story with at the, when they were doing the, charity Mm -hmm. work and everyone sort of like it really brought everyone together and it was a really beautiful moment and then to go and use that moment to like sort of shame Davina into not like because she wasn't there it's like that's not what charity is about kind-hearted yeah like that is the worst kind like to use a good deed that, that you have done against someone else like and then to go and say like how much was your ticket that could have how much let's well, these houses that we're selling. Oh, yeah. Like, but by the way, that is the two-facedness I feel like Christine and Davina were referring to. And I saw it. I did even before they reckon, like before they pointed it out. Like just I th- I saw I thought she was really two different people on the couch in the commentary than she was with the other girls. And I think after the first season, she immediately stopped doing that because that was what really like they were talking about. Um, and I don't feel like she does that anymore. But I do see why Davina and Christine like didn't like her in the beginning. If I was in that office, I 100% would not have liked Chriselle. One, because she's just not my type of girl. I find her like, I can't use another word. But she's just like weak, like in every sense of the word. And she is two-faced. 
Yeah. And I know we are alone in this because people hate Davina. They don't like Christine, but they like, she has a lot to offer besides like the actual storyline. I'm just so obsessed with everything about her and like her personality, her commentary, and the fact that like, so there's also two types of people in this world. Everyone goes on season one of their reality mm-hmm. show and, you know, is who they are and then talks a big game in the interviews. Yeah. But then you have to answer for those things if there's a reunion or season Second two season. or on social media. And then most people stop doing that mm-hmm. because they don't want to have to answer yep. for those things. Chriselle is one of those people who 100%. might have these, her thoughts haven't changed, but she's not going to share them, to share them and, and to put herself in some sort of villainous position. Whereas Christine just is who she is and is going to say what she thinks. Now I want to talk about Mary and Romaine because not only do I not understand the relationship whatsoever, I don't think they understand their relationship. They have such a hard time communicating and their scenes are so boring. And I literally scroll th- like fast forward through them all the time and when they got engaged I'm like oh that's actually kind of sweet and then she comes into the office and it's moist tonight and I'm really you were Davina uh, I was Davina but you want to know why because up until that moment Mary talked a big game about how successful she was and like all this stuff and this life and this life and this life and he is like this world-renowned pastry chef and I just feel like there's absolutely nothing wrong with the moist tonight ring whatsoever but like putting up the front at first was what was really deceptive. Right. And then when she was like showing every, like after the office, when she told him it was moistening, she was like going to different places and showing her ring. It's like, do you always have to say that it's moistening? Oh my God, just shut up. Honestly, it looked real. Like just let everyone I think know, that. I know, it was so stunning. Just let everyone think it. Yeah. I just don't like Mary at all. Honestly, Romaine reminds me a lot of Roman from Real Housewives me of too. Miami. Um, they look alike and both of their names are Roman Romaine and like they're both in dysfunctional relationships. Yeah. Um, I just, I don't like Mary at all and I don't get why she's the favorite. Um, she actually is a really good real estate agent. Um, obviously her relationship with Jason has something to do with it. I'm also curious and about And also the, like the relationship with Jason is, is weird. Is weird and it's not appropriate like given that she's engaged to someone else. Also, it's like a weird workplace relationship, but it seems like that's just the norm. You mm-hmm. know, Heather keeps t- saying, she, like inviting herself to live with Jason. Like, was that, was that Brett? Oh, can't tell them apart. They look like bowling balls. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> who is, I feel like Jason is the boss of Brett. Like they're not partners. That was the vibe that I was no, getting. I feel like one of them, I feel like Jason's in charge of the agents and Brett, like, must do something else in the office, yeah. you know, because they're always taking their shit to Jason. Yeah, right, right. And they, like, walk past Brett. Like, he's not sitting right no, there. No, but, like, maybe Brett is, like, head of development or, or something, like, right. where he's not interfacing with the agents all the time. Yeah. I mean, the real estate part of it was actually really interesting. And you and I were discussing on text about how, like, I literally, we always talk about how living in L.A. would be fabulous. But I'm, like, shocked at these $5 million houses. They're, like, not that big and not that, like, they're nice on the inside, but they're tiny. They don't have yards. You're they're so close. Risk your life driving up a hill to get there. No, I'm really not into L.A. real estate is what I've learned. There's been two houses that I've absolutely adored. They were both Mary's listings. One, the one she sold to that girl, Emily, who was like the most stunning person I've ever seen. She was so stunning. And that house, and that's where she offered. Oh, and that's... No, no, the the other house, the Doheny house is where the wedding is going to be With the grass on the front. Yeah, but that's not the Emily house. Oh, right, right, The Emily house is where the reading nook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, wait. First of all, about Mary, just one second. Again, she's so (laughs) successful, so successful. She's the best agent. She gets all the listings. Why can't she find a wedding venue? It's not like she lives remotely like in Idaho. She lives in LA with hotels and venues. Christine found a place. She went to Eric Buterbauer's uh, floral shop for her engagement party. Why couldn't Mary find a venue? But so that's what I'm saying no, about and Mary. Also, She's, who, there's who, a, who has 
their family member? Who has a wedding date without a venue? That's not a who thing. Who has people book flights without an invitation or anything? Yeah, that is so crazy. But to like be like, my wedding's in six weeks, but there is no wedding. You just like put a date on a calendar and yeah. said, I'm going to get married on this day. That's what I'm and like people about are gonna come. 60 people are going to come? Her life is a little bit of a front because I don't know. What, it's one thing, okay, you can't find a band, but like they're all booked. How do you have a wedding? You don't really have a wedding day without a wedding venue. No, you you don't at all. And, and they're just like begging people for favors. Like No, it's so strange. I really thought that they were going to wind up just getting married at Jason's and I'm like, this is so, so dysfunctional. Weird. Okay, but back to um, those two houses. I agree. The Doheny house is sickening. The Emily house is sickening. Those were my two favorites. I'm learning some stuff about like my taste in real estate well so and I also think that if we lived in LA I would 100% live in the valley I don't like the hills the Hollywood Hills I think the houses are too close to each other and also we went to a party once in the Hollywood Hills I think that's the only time I've ever been there and by the time we got there I was going to throw up like I'm actually just like I can't live on a really high floor in New York City I don't think I could live up in the hills so not only were we literally about to vomit (laughs) on the way there first it was so windy we had had like a drink at dinner it was just like not conducive once we got there it was so packed that literally in the living room these houses are built like on stilts on hills the floor was shaking like yeah there were far too many people in this house it was a fabulous celeb sparkled party but it was just not conducive in the hills i i don't know if i would live in the valley because they say it's much hotter and the traffic's terrible like i would have to live in a compound in beverly hills oh yeah beverly hills like, I just think, like, not all LA, LA real estate is like this, but they happen to specify on Sunset, Hollywood Hills, and that's what the houses are. I would never live there. Yeah. No, I, I don't think that I could live there either. Yes, of course, I would love to live in Beverly Hills, but right now they're just showing us homes in the Valley and Sunset. But that Beverly Hills compound, the $80 million Davina listing, well, was yeah. the most sickening. And I think it was Christine who said this because she's fucking brilliant. She was like, millionaires have views. Billionaires, billionaires have, have compounds. compounds. And I was like, yeah, because that big house, the $44 million house, I'm like, I need to know who, I hope one of them has to sell it because like. Oh, well, by the way, since the show has come out, there's been all these things. Like most of the listings aren't real. Most of the scenarios aren't real. No, it's I like, don't want to know that. That's so also Emily like million not, dollar listing. Did Emily not buy that house? I don't know. I don't want to know because I like to live. But you have to assume that a lot is of it is orchestrated. Is she not in that reading nook right now having a coffee? I don't think so. No, I don't, I can't. Okay, I refuse. Okay. I'm believing what I'm seeing, okay? Okay. Anyways, I really hope that $44 million house, like, is part of the storyline and that one of them sells it because whoever does is going to be, like, the big man on campus. Um, and then the second season, there was a lot to unpack so far. Larsa Pippen, obviously. Yes. was a fabulous just moment. I really hope she bought that house. I was stalking so her funny. Instagram last night. I don't think she did. I don't know. The picture that you sent me, like, it could have been the house. But the TV wasn't behind the kitchen. It was on the side. Maybe know. she moved it. But it was really funny that that agent was like, her son is like looking for a basketball court. And then they get to the house and like, and Michelle's like, was, and the basketball court. Yeah. And Lars was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I feel like that's literally <laughs> how like celebrity works. It's like all this misinformation by people's people like being swapped around. Um, the, but what was so crazy is when, sorry, when okay. Chriselle was like showing that house at first, I was like, oh damn, this is the perfect house for that couple that Christine showed that swanky bachelor, yeah. $10 million bachelor pad last season. And then I was so glad that she brought them to this house. Yeah, it's interesting how it works, like with them all working together. Um, but season two, when Christine just like comes out of her jet with her new fiance, her rich tech fiance and her new life, like she leveled up to like another planet. And I, as a 
Christine, you know, supporter was like living for it. You guys, like we have absolutely no choice but to stand. And, and I don't understand, I don't want to understand anyone who like didn't see that and was like jaw was on the floor. Like I officially am team Christine, ride or die. I'm getting to a point where I don't even care if she's going to do so. So far to me, yeah. everything she does is like justifiable. I, justifiable. I understand. I think she's like on point. But I'm getting to a point, like, you know, the Monique Samuels point where it's where I like, don't even care. I, I don't care what she's going to do. Like, I'm going to have her back. Um, did you see in real time most recently, Christine is not only on the cover of Maxim magazine looking like a fucking fiery snack. She also got married. Yes. And she wore a black wedding dress. Yes. And I saw on Netflix when I was looking through the episodes, like, I think the end of season three, the finale, is her wedding. Oh. Which is great. Oh, my God. Amazing. I mean, literally the pictures I saw on Instagram, it was not my taste, but incredible. Like, the flowers. It was literally like a multi-million dollar wedding. Yeah. No, I'm so excited Oh, I hope to we see, see it. it. Yeah, I hope. I'm really, I'm just really excited. I feel like all the good stuff, like, now we've gotten to know everyone. Some people, unfortunately, like, are wasting our time. I love Amanza, by the way. I, like, really, really respect her. And, like, I just want things to work out for her I so know. she can provide for her family. I totally agree. But now, like... They're turning, like, there's two squads, is what I've realized. And it's Christine, Davina, and Heather. No, not Christine and Davina. Christine, Davina. Oh, Christine, sorry. I get Christine, Chriselle is so confusing. Christine, Davina, and Heather. Because Heather has nowhere else to go. And also, like, I thought Christine, like, was not about Heather. I'm not about Heather. Versus. Mary, Chriselle, and Amanza. And I just need to swap Amanza, Amanza and, and Heather. Heather. I agree. And the Amanza versus Heather thing, like Heather was fucking mean. Heather was so wrong. And when she's like, mind your business. And it's like, Amanza should have like. If you want people no, to mind your business, like, stop talking about your public information you, in the office. You didn't mind me my, not minding my business when I was agreeing with you. Right. But now I'm, I'm going to say something that you don't want to hear. Like she's so fucking defensive about her relationship. Like Jason or Brett will just say like, oh, uh, how's Tarek? And she's like, What'd you say? She's so crazy. She's, She's so, so crazy. crazy. Also, I, I can't believe, and her and Tara are still together. Yeah, and I love that she loves her stepkids, but like her comparing what she's doing with Maya, Maya was like, it's not the same. No, it's, oh, Maya's amazing and she's neutral. Yep. And I, I really, really like her, but also at one point she was like, I think when she was talking to Jason in his apartment when she was trying to like move in. Oh, and what was that? Begging to move in. Not, okay, it's one thing to make a joke, but literally no. she said it like five or six times. It was so weird. And she, Is and this then, my room? And then she was like talking about her relationship. She's like, it's a lot. You know, I'm kind of like a stepmom. And she's like, I'm mom. And I'm like, how do you think Christina <laughs> feels seeing that? Who like birthed these children you've been around for three weeks yeah chill and you call yourself mom chill um okay so all in all I really enjoy the show I'm gonna I, I don't want my opinion to change and I know I, I can't state this enough times like don't come for us for our opinion we are who we are and I'm just when when you wonder how someone can like Christine versus Chriselle just remember there are two types of girls in this world Christine's and Chriselle's which one do you want to be yeah yep Yep, yep, yep. Um, okay, and now our final segment is Dear Toasters. Our advice segment, if you ever want to write in, the email is deartoasters at gmail.com. We always keep it anonymous, and we will read your query on air, and then we will do our best to give you advice. So let's dive right in. The first one, Jackson Claude. My best friend's starting a guy. So, 
Oh my God, sorry. My best friend started dating a guy, Jake, in college who was always the life of the party. He's hilarious, but has always been very touchy-feely with other girls and guys. All of our friends just thought he was a little different until a few weeks ago. While hanging out with a bunch of friends, Jake proceeded to get very drunk and his true colors showed. He started hitting on my fiance and asked him to show him his weenie. Of course, my fiance said, hell no, dude, and walked away. He did this to multiple guys at the party. The sad thing is that my friend thinks that they're going to that she and Jake are going to get married and she's expecting a ring soon. How do I tell her that Jake is definitely gay? I don't know if Jake is necessarily gay. Yeah. Boys like do weird things like in locker rooms and shit and show me your weenie. Okay. Definitely sounds a little gay, but I don't know. I think that if Jake was really in the closet, he probably wouldn't be publicly asking to see someone's penis yeah I think I don't think you need to tell your friend that her boyfriend's definitely gay there's that's nothing not on definite, you to decide and there's also nothing definite I think you tell your friend that your boyfriend asked to see your boyfriend's weenie and let her decide if it's something she's comfortable with yeah because if someone said that to me about Ben I would um I would raise an eyebrow yeah no I would definitely ask some questions yeah like why did you want to see the weenie yeah. Why did you call it a weenie? Because that's <laughs> even weirder. And well, we need to talk. Yeah. Like, what would you, if you had seen the weenie, like, were you going to measure, you know? Put some mustard on it. Like, what? Or, like, what? sword fight. I am honestly most, the most concerning thing here is not that Jake wanted to see someone's penis. is that it's a grown man called it a weenie. Yeah. I because think, that's a hot dog. I think this is just good advice, Perry. But what you need to do in the situation is just relay only the information that you know for certain. Right. Like, don't is, put your personal spin on it. Yeah. Which is what you saw and what you heard. Yeah. Not it's, what you think. It's weird. But sometimes people are just weird. Yeah. It's not always something, you know? Yeah. And also, like, this guy, you say it's life of the party. Like, maybe parties are changing. And now right. we're showing everyone our wieners. Honestly, like, he's the type of guy who would get married and, like, literally go to swingers parties. Like, and just show everyone his weenie. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. I just feel like when you're the life of the party, like, let's think about Jake for a second. Like, <laughs> it's a lot of pressure, it's a lot of pressure. to constantly be the life of the party. And, like, you can't do the same trick you did at last party. Yeah. No, you're getting stale. It's like that episode <laughs> of Sex in the City where that pregnant woman who used to be, like, the life of the party and, like, <laughs> take her top off everywhere. She's pregnant now, and so, like, she can't do that, but she, like, really wants to be the life of the party, so she does it anyway. Like, that's Jake. Oh, my God. That, oh, I thought you were going to say that also, that woman who, well, who falls out the, the window. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be Jake, that too. That's, like, such a tragic episode. Um, but, yeah, think, maybe think about where Jake's coming from. Think about him. Yeah, like, parties are changing, and you got to switch it up. And it's, it's really, like, a constant burden to, like, always be expected to, like, lift the party up. And maybe you need to do some self-reflection and be like, why does he feel like he always needs to pump up the party? Like, do, are we boring? Right, right. That's on <laughs> you, actually, and your fiancé. So you guys aren't fun. <laughs> No, okay, just tell her what you heard. Um, and just, like, don't put your personal spin on it. Just, like, drop off the information like an Amazon box and then be gone, <laughs> like a UPS man, okay? Yeah. All right, dear toasters, what started out as an innocent night of drinking at a friend's party turned into an absolute mess. Parts of the night are spotty. My friend Vicky and I remember the most disturbing parts so well, and I'm not sure if anyone else involved does. Vicky, myself, and two men whom we've known our entire lives, let's call them basil and oregano. <laughs> Stop. Okay. Um, went up to our friend's bedroom and performed a strip tease. At the time, it sounded like a good idea, and in the moment, everyone was into it. One thing led to another, and we all woke up in the same room. We found Basil passed out completely naked on a wicker bench, and oregano, I can't deal with the names, and oregano passed out sitting up wearing nothing but a sailor's cap and socks. At this point, Vicky and I are freaking out and finding a way to get out of the room without waking them up. We eventually escaped and made it home safely. 
The dreaded day came when we had to face Basil and Oregano in person for the first time since the incident. And and I, these people are all just friends? Like, it's yeah, no one's they, boyfriend? No, they just, like, had a weird... Like, they did weird things when they were drunk, and, like, now they have to okay, pay the price. Okay, okay, okay. The dreaded day came when we had to face Basil and Oregano in person for the first time since the incident. Neither of them acted like anything happened, and it seems like they don't remember. Do we pretend we don't remember either and go on with our friendships as if we didn't see each other naked? Do we address it with the boys to see if they remember or never mention it again? Please help. Never mention it again. They're obviously not mentioning it because either they don't want to or they don't remember it. So you've gotten it out. Just acknowledge it and accept it. Yeah, I wouldn't like go and mention it again. The only way that you could if you wanted to is like the next time you guys are drunk, maybe not at that level drunk, but like, you know, if you're drunk again and and they're feeling more comfortable or maybe things are going that way again, just be like, remember that time? Right. See if they remember, first of all. And, and you'll have more bravery, like, in and you. And so will they. Yeah. So will they. But just to cold call them. I mean, it's, I guess, like, friends do weird things when they're drunk with their friends. But, I don't know, it's something to be embarrassed about. No, but, like, you know that feeling. Of course. Shame. Shame. <laughs> of course. I totally understand. And you know what? But just ignore it. Like, they're ignoring it. So, like, why are we even talking about it? There's no worse feeling in the world than, than like, shame. that post-drunk night shame. And you know what? Thankfully for quarantine, I really haven't had it. Yeah. But it is, uh, it's enough to make me sober for the rest of my life. No, like, it really it is, is. Awful feeling. It's an awful feeling. Shame. But it doesn't feel like she feels shame. Like, no, she just she feels awkward and like doesn't want to talk about it, which I understand. And it seems like they don't either because they haven't brought it up. Yeah. But definitely, what went like, down in the room? That's what I want to know. No one knows. That's actually maybe if you talk to them, maybe they know. Yeah, it sounds like she facts. Sounds like mission. she said she remembers this incident specifically. The night is blurry, but like she remembers the moment. Yeah, I don't know. I think just if you guys are drinking together, like with just the four of you again, sometime see, feel it out. Um, but otherwise, just be glad that no one's mentioning it. Right, and just like don't make it weird. Yeah. Um, so those are dear toasters. Again, if you ever want to write in, the email is deartoasters at gmail Always kept anonymous. Don't worry. And we will do our best to give you the best possible advice ever. Um, and if that's all she wrote. I think that's all that she wrote. We will continue watching Selling Sunset. And Hopefully be done by tomorrow. We'll definitely be done with season two by tomorrow. Yeah. Um, we'll just see about the rest of it. I'm really excited. And it's just been a really fun journey. I look it, forward to hearing what you guys think of our comparisons. Like, tell me that you see that Christine is Sarah Foster. Not at all. And also our thoughts. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Morning Toast, the Millennial Morning Show, where we deliver the past five stories that you need to know every day on YouTube, Monday through Friday. So if you're watching this on YouTube, please feel free to subscribe and give this video a thumbs up. We are also available as a podcast anywhere podcasts can be found. So that's Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Public Radio, iHeartRadio, CastBox, all the places we're now available on Amazon Music. So wherever you find your podcast, find us, the Morning Toast, and leave a five-star review about how beautiful, stunning, and smart we are. We love you guys so much. Thank you for listening. Have an amazing hump day. And don't forget to hump someone you love. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Bye.